sing. We can do it. Here we go. I'm out. Well, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 144. Psalm 144, we're getting closer and closer to being done. You say, Pastor, what are you going to preach after you finish Psalms? I have no idea. So I thought I was going to finish out this year with Psalms for some reason, and uh, but I'm not. So I'm praying about it and see what the Lord would have us to do. And I got an idea, but I don't know. We'll see. Psalm 144. <clears throat> Let's read the psalm together. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who, stump, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of the great waters from the hand of the strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, unto a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praise unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, and who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me, and deliver me from the hand of a strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of, pray, of, of, uh, similitude of a palace. There we go. That our garners may be full affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there, may be, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Well, Psalm 144 is a great psalm, and uh, <coughs> it starts off with that, that battle kind of picture uh, throughout the first uh, rather uh, for first few verses there. <coughs> when I was studying for this sermon, I, I was reminded of a song that I heard whenever I was a kid, and uh, it would I heard it sung by multiple tour groups. You know, have you ever had a tour group from a Bible college here? And uh, they come through and, and sing some songs and all like that and promote the Bible college and try to get your kids to come to their Bible college, things like that. And uh, when I was a kid, we'd always have tour groups and such. And I remember we had a cassette tape of one of the tour groups that had this, and we'd listen to it a lot through the years. And you remember, kids, the, see, a cassette tape is this plastic thing that you would put into a cassette player. Well, anyways, um, <clears throat> if you don't know, just ask your parents and grandparents. They'll tell you. But uh, it, it was actually an old hymn. And the song was, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. How many, has anybody ever heard that song? Okay, a few people. And uh, the refrain of the song goes, I am on the battlefield for my Lord. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. And I promised him that I would, would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. 
And uh, as believers, we're on a battlefield whether we know it or not. Uh, there's a battle waging all around us. I'm kind of grateful that we don't really know and see. I think we'd be terrified. Uh, but uh, we are definitely in a spiritual battle. And just like a person blindly walking right through the middle of a battlefield, waging between two ground forces, we're in just as much danger if we don't look up and realize that there's a war going on. And uh, we need protection. But the good news is we have the Lord on our side. Amen? And uh, Psalm 144 is another psalm of David. David was a man of war. This was God's will for him so that their land would be cleaned out and prepared for his son Solomon to build the temple. David so wanted to build the temple, but God wouldn't let him. He said his, he, was a, he had bloody hands from all the war that he did. By doing his will, he did the right thing. But it wasn't God's will for him to build the temple. So instead, he prepared as much of the materials as he could get to get ready for that building. <coughs> but the battles that David and Israel faced are very representative of the spiritual battles that we face every day. And just as their victories were dependent upon the Lord, so our victories are dependent upon Christ. And in this psalm, we see five powerful characteristics of God that enable us to trust in him during our battles. After I was done studying for this sermon, I uh, decided to look up if other people had preached on Psalm 144, and I found some sermon outlines on there, and uh, every single one of them was completely different. <laughs> and so I think this is just one of those, those uh, psalms that you can just pull a wealth of, of, of information, a wealth of application especially, uh, to your lives. But uh, what, I, what I came up with, at least, is uh, five characteristics, powerful characteristics. Oh, I can't get these words out today. Powerful characteristics of God that will help enable us to win this battle. Uh, the first thing is, number one, his military strength. His military strength. Verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. And the psalm of praise begins by thanking the Lord who is his strength. And we sometimes tend to forget that it's God who's holding us up sometimes. Uh, people talk about pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. I don't know if you're aware, but that's, that's impossible. And, uh, you know, and it's always someone else who's helping. And in our case, it's God, for sure. He's the one who gives us strength. He's the one who teaches us how to fight this battle. And he's the one who wins the battle for us in the first place. But yet he still enables us to fight with him. Uh, but it's not just the, with the offensive that he, uh, the offensive, I should say, not offensive, the offensive that uh, he helps us with. Uh, he's our fortress, this verse says. And this refers to a stronghold, a in the wilderness or a mountainous place, it was a place where people could hide. It was a place for defense, for gathering supplies for battle. And then they could go out and fight. He's our high tower, he says. It's a place that is fortified and prepared so that uh, enemies can't attack. It's usually a high place, and a high cliff or a, a rock, some sort of high, uh, a safe haven and a place of refuge. Bible says he's our delivery. He, he takes us to safety. He delivers us from the threatening situations. He's our shield, our protector. 
he's our, the one. He's the one whom I trust. David said, "He's the one I can put all my hope into and completely trust in. He's the one who subdued my people under me." Uh, he said. And remember, David's a king. Uh, what kind of king leads is able to lead if the people aren't subdued under him? Amen. Uh, they need to be able to follow, and he get, attributes that to God, that God has put upon their heart to follow him. And God caused the people of Israel to follow his leadership. These are all battle images that David's using. As the king, he needed all of these things. All of these things David needed uh, in his physical battles, and those things that he needed for his physical battles, we need for our spiritual battles. In the midst of a battle, you need a stronghold you can rely on, Amen. A place you can run to. You need a fortress. And so the Lord, mighty in battle, will protect us. He'll give us strength. He'll be his, our shield in battle. How many times have I felt the attacks of Satan and I just cried out to Jesus to help and feel the peace of God just flow over me and the attacks disappear? But he's not just the nation of Israel's military power or help. He's not just the church of God's strength and protection. The second powerful characteristic of God that David shows here is that he helps us in the spiritual battle by being uh, by, through his individual concern. His individual concern. Verses 3 and 4 says, Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Something struck me as I was reading this, and I looked up the words, the Hebrew words that were in these, in these two verses. <coughs> and I found that all of the <coughs> excuse me, nouns and pronouns dealing with man, uh, him, son, his, all of those are singular in the Hebrew. Uh, it's not man as a plural, it's man as an individual. What is man that thou takest knowledge of him? He's individually concerned about us, amen? Uh, he's concerned about each man individually, not just man as a whole. We stand in amazement that God is concerned about us, amen? In fact, we often doubt if it's truthful, if that's the truth. I know God so loved the world, but does that really mean me? We know, he do we know it does. Uh, if somebody asked us, we would say, well, yeah. Because that's what the Bible says. But yet, Satan likes to get in and put words of doubt in our heart, doesn't he? But yes, it means you. Amen? And these verses tell us that God, first of all, letter A, knows you. He knows you. He says, Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? The word taking knowledge of comes from, the, or from one word, yada. As I was studying this, I, I began to wonder if the saying yada, yada, yada comes from these, this Hebrew word, maybe. Maybe it means I know, I know, I know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the, nevertheless, the word means to know, to learn, to perceive, to discern, to experience, to consider, to know people relationally. All of these words are a part of the definition of this one simple word, yada, to know. God knows you. He doesn't have to learn about you, but he studies you. He perceives you. He sees you. He discerns your heart. He experiences you. He considers you. Most importantly, I think the most gripping is the fact that God knows you relationally. You are his child. Amen? 
Don't let Satan ever tell you anything different. But not only does he know you, uh, but I, I labeled this, he tracks you. I don't know how else to put it, letter B. And David continues, says, Or the son of man that thou makest account of him. When you order uh, online, you can track how long your package is going to ta uh, take to get here. <coughs> I got a notice on my phone today. We ordered something, and my phone told me that my package was, while I was studying for this, my phone beeped, and I looked at it. And by the way, I should turn off my phone when I'm studying. But anyways, uh, uh, it beeped. I looked at it. It said my package was five stops away. And I was like, man, technology is getting crazy, you know. And uh, it, it showed me a little map and a little truck in my house right there. And it, uh, as the time went, the trucks kept moving closer and closer to my house. I hate it whenever I look at that and they pass my house and go somewhere else first. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, I was next. But anyways, uh, if I had time, I could watch that little truck move closer and closer and closer to me. He tracked, I could track it. But God not only knows us, but he keeps account of us. The word means to regard, to consider, to account, to plan for. It's not just a general knowledge, but it's a continual watching and knowing. Amen? God is stalking you. <laughs> Amen? In a good way. And in comparison to the Lord, man is nothing. And yet God is concerned about each and every one of us. The Lord is your rock. He's your fortress. He's your high tower. He's your shield, he says all in here. Man is like to vanity, David says. Emptiness, meaningless. We're just a shadow that passes away. Our life is just a vapor. If you ever get uh, too high on yourself or prideful, just go take a walk in the cemetery. You know those dates on there? The birth date and the death date are like the parentheses around that life that was lived. And it's represented by this just this little tiny line, isn't it? You know, and that's what life is. It's that quick. James 4, 14 tells us, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, what, for, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Job, uh, we're told in Job 8, 9, For we are but of yesterday and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Again, in chapter 14, verse 2, he says, he, he cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. All throughout the Bible, we're warned that this life is fleeting and small. So we better get busy while we still have breath. Amen? If you're still breathing, God has something for you to do. Someone to help, someone to witness to. Whatever the case is, if you're breathing, he has a purpose for you. And he wants you to get busy fulfilling that. And the truth is, there are people hurting all around us. There are people that are dying that have never heard the good news. But even though we're nothing in this great scheme of history, we're not that way to God. Amen? He knows us and he loves us. And we can praise God for his great and powerful characteristics. His military power, his strength, helps us to be able to battle satanic forces. His individual concern helps us realize that we are loved. Number three, then we see that his, uh, we, uh, his uh, powerful characteristic of his power over creation. His power over creation. In case we have any doubts over just how great and powerful God is, David reminds us here, in verses, beginning in verse 5. He says, Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. <coughs> Cast forth lightning and scatter them. 
Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Send thine hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Boy, isn't God powerful? Amen. He can control all of these things. There's sort of a, a kind of a reminiscence of Mount Sinai here, here a little bit. Exodus 19.16 says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud upon the mountain. The skies touched the mountain, and uh, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Just showing forth his power. Amen. And David was praising God for his great power. But he has great power, first of all, over nature, letter A. He has power over the heavens. Uh, Matthew 8, 27, when I was looking at this, I, uh, automatically this mind, uh, verse went to my mind. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? He has power over the mountains, amen? Uh, and the, the seas and the mountains. Uh, Nahum 1, 5 says, The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Uh, he's in control, and he has the power. He has power over lightning. Job talks about this in Job 37, verse 2 and 3. He says, Hear attentively the noise of his voice, the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven, and is lightning unto the ends of the earth. He has the power over all of nature, all of his creation. He is in control. Which means, that means that he is also in control, not over, uh, only over nature, but over man. Amen? In verse 7 and 8, he comes to the reasoning for his request for God's display of nature. Verse, the rest of verse 7 says, Rid me and deliver me out of great waters for the hand of, from the hand of strange children whose mouths speak vanity, and in the, their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And David was caught in great waters, he called it, and uh, he felt like he was being overflown, these foreigners, strange children who were causing problems in Israel. Their mouths were speaking vanity. Their hand held deceit. And it seemed that he was drowning in their lives. But David knew that the same power that God had over nature would be the same power that, had, that, he, that he had over man that depended upon him. And we too can depend upon God during our battles. Amen? And the same God who calmed the storm, who shook the mountains, is the same God who can win our battles for us and with us. And God has incredible power, and he wants us to use that power, he wants to use that power through us. Acts 1.8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. What does God want us to use that power for? Spreading the gospel, amen? A.W. Tozer said, uh, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. Amen? We need to plan big. Let's trust in these great and powerful characteristics of God and let's get busy serving him. The fourth characteristic David mentions is his worth of praise. It's worth a praise, and he is worthy, amen? Verse 9 and 10, he says, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praise unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, 
who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. He's worthy not to just sing a song about, but to sing a new song. Amen? Uh, there hasn't been a song written yet by man that is equal to his worth. I love the old hymns, and I, I want to continue singing them as long as I live. But something within me desires to find, create, and sing a new song. And to find a new way to praise Him. And even if it's an old song that I didn't know before. <laughs> Sometimes that's the case too. When we were traveling in Tennessee, we went to this church and they had a hymn book that I had seen years and years and years ago. And it had all kinds of songs. Some of them I had heard and some of, I, some of them I'd never heard. And I wanted to, as soon as I got home, I ordered the book. I thought I had one, but I didn't. And I ordered the book. And I want to go through it and I want to learn the songs. Because uh, it's got some good songs in there. And uh, it's just something in us that uh, we want to find a new way to praise him. And God is a creative God and we are made in his image. Amen. I've always wanted to write a song, and I've tried many times in my lifetime, and they flopped every time. Uh, for VBS this year, I, we needed a theme song, and nothing seemed right, and I couldn't find anything. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to just ask the Lord to help me write one. I thought maybe I could adapt a song, a tune, but that just didn't work out. I didn't get permission to do that. And so I just said, okay, Lord, you're just going to have to help me. I've never been able to do this, so you're just going to have to help me. And I did write one, and through much trial and tribulation, it worked. It wasn't the greatest song in the world, but it was a song. Amen? And I, I, I'd love to be able to write some more, you know, and it certainly doesn't come naturally to me. But I don't know if I ever will uh, write a song, another song, but there's a, a desire to find a new way to praise Him. The old ways aren't bad or stale or undesirable, not at all. There's just something built into the heart of man that wants to continue to find a new way to praise Him. Why? Because we're overflowing with gratitude for what he's done for us. And David says, It is he that giveth salvation unto king, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Can you relate? It's him that has saved us. He's saved us and he's delivered us from our enemies. He continues to deliver us from the forces of evil that continue to threaten us. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? And let's find every way that we can to praise him. So David has pointed out these powerful characteristics that enable us to trust in God during our battles. He's, he is our military power, our strength. He's the source of our strength. He's our individually concerned about us. He knows us and he, he tracks us. His power over creation, uh, not only over nature, but man that would try to harm us. He is worthy of praise, and he is worthy. And fifth, in verses 11 through 14, we see his keeping of the saints. His keeping of the saints. Verse 11, he says, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouths speak vanities, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as the cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, <coughs> that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. And David recognized that it was God who was, would be able to keep us. It was only God who could rescue and deliver us from these liars. If God could deliver him, the king 
the nation's leader, then he knew that he would be able to help his people see the things that he's asking for here. Their sons growing like plants. Uh, the image is a strong, a young, strong tree, growth in their youth. Their daughters to be like the cornerstone, stability and easy to build upon. And the, the word polished here is also translated as hewn in other places. The cornerstone is hewn or cut just as beautiful and strong as the palace's cornerstone. Their garners or their barns may be full, uh, storing all kinds of food, he said. Their sheep multiplying thousands and ten thousands of sheep, of, of sheep, he says, in the streets. I don't know if I want to pray that. But their oxen are strong in order to labor, in order to plow the fields, in order to lift heavy things and help us build the town and build the city. And there'd be no breaking in or going out. The town walls would, be, uh, would have no breaches. No fences would fall over. No opening for the enemy to enter. No complaining in our streets. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be nice. Peace and contentment. The picture of a full, all-around peace and prosperity, all coming through the blessings of the Lord. Oh, man, how this ought to be our prayer for our families and our church, too. Amen. That our sons would grow and mature in the Lord in their youth. That our daughters would help establish and support our homes and our churches. That our provisions would be full and sustain us. That our meat would be plenteous to feed all of us. That our workforce would be healthy and strong. I don't. I was hesitant to, to liken the, our workforce in the church to oxen. But uh, nevertheless, uh, that our walls of, uh, of protection are sure and strong around us. And that our people are content and blessed enough that there's no complaining in the streets. What a wonderful picture of all, uh, all of it accomplished by the Lord's keeping of the saints. Contentment in Him. And that's the key. Philippians 4, 11, 12 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned <coughs> in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. No matter the situation, we're content in the Lord because we know He's going to take care of us. It's easy to live a contented life when we're trusting in a powerful God. Amen? This all ends with a statement that kind of sums it all up. Verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And we can experience happiness only as we yield to God as our Lord. I hope that's what you desire today. Life is much happier on this side of the battlefield, amen? when we have the Lord fighting with us. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight.